Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. God bless you guys. How are you? I am happy to be in the house of God. Are you excited? Amen. I am nervous, but I know God is going to get me through it. Um, I was telling my husband, I said, I am super nervous about bringing the word because our um, numbers have been growing. And so uh, now I get to, to, to preach to a lot more of y'all. Um, but praise God for that. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and open our Bibles this morning um, to 1 Kings 19. And we're going to, I'm going to be reading, um, actually I'm going to read uh, out of the New Living Translation and it's going to be um, 9 to 18. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 9 to 18. Amen. Okay. And the word of God says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servants there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing? And Elijah stood there. Sorry. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenants with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, 
I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenants with you, turned down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Omnishi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Saphath, from the town of Abel, Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yale always preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I present myself before you this morning, asking you, God, to speak to your people at this time. Father, I am a vessel in your hands. I ask you to take over, my God. I ask that your Holy Spirit may minister to every heart that's in this place. I know that this is a word that you gave me and that it is for me to share with people in this place, Father. So I ask that you take over, Holy Spirit. Use me. Let it be you. Anoint my lips this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, we had um, Brother Tim bring uh, a word with us. If you guys were here, it was amazing. And um, when he mentioned the scripture he was going to read out of, I got very nervous because he said, open your Bibles to 1 Kings 17. I was like, oh, <laughs> that is the scripture that um, I am already preparing. But then uh, he said 17, and I was so 19. But I'm going to touch a little bit on 17. Um, and who wants to follow Brother um, Tim, right? Not me. So he was, uh, he was amazing. He read an amazing word. But I have entitled my message this morning, Why Are You Here? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, why are you here? There you go. So, we worked, my family and I. I am a visual person. I, I, I learn by seeing. So, I had my, my kids, Missy, she loves art. So, the minute I told her, Missy, I'm thinking about this. Yes, mom, I'll help you. So, she... She's the one that painted a lot of it. Then my nephews came along and then Israel helped. And then my husband came and said, hold on, let me show you how to do it. And so <laughs> then he kind of took over. And my, uh, my son and I, Brett and I, were joking about it because I'm cutting, you know, with a knife. He's like, mom, you want to bet that he's going to tell you how to do it better? I'm like, no, because I know I'm going to lose. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Thank you. But it was a family effort. And this is my cave. And I want to give you a visual because I know that the Lord has something for you guys this morning. And I want you to understand what the Lord got Elijah out of. So that's my cave. So why are you here? So let me give you some history on what was happening at this time. Um, Elijah's grand interest comes when he comes before King Ahab with a word from the Lord that wasn't encouraging. On the other hand, it was very discouraging because he told them that there was going to be a drought in the land. And that's in 1 Kings 17.1. It says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain until the next few years, until I give the word. There's no introduction, introduction to Elijah before then. He literally comes out of nowhere. He's introduced, given a word of a drought in 1 Kings 17. 
And if you want to go in and, and read it, I encourage you to go read it. It's, it's reading about Elijah. It's just, it is so, it's such a blessing. So I encourage you to go do that at home. But see, this wasn't a good time for Israel. King Ahab was more wicked than all the other kings before him. He married Jezebel. And he began to worship Baal and build an altar for Baal and even a temple for Baal. The word says that Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord than any other king before him. He was very much influenced by his wife, Jezebel. We know that this woman was important because the names of the wives of the northern kingdom kings were never told. But here we see the name of the woman Ahab married, Jezebel. I want you to pay attention as I give you the little recap on how God was guiding out of Elijah's steps. Because he didn't move unless God told him to go. From this point, from 17 forward, he didn't move unless God told him. The first thing God told him to do after he delivered that word, he told him, go hide by a brook. And so after Elijah delivered the message that there would be no rain, uh, the Lord told Elijah, while there in the brook, God provided water for him. And you guys know, he sent the ravens to feed him. And after a while, because of the drought, uh, the brook dried up, right? And then Elijah talks to the Lord once again, and the Lord tells him, go. And this time he tells him, there's no water, there's no food. So now I have a widow in, this, in Seraphath that is going to take care of you. So go, I have appointed her to feed you. So he follows, he goes to the city and sure enough, he finds the widow. This widow was special. She was collecting, uh, you know, sticks to go prepare the last meal for her and her son. And so as he approaches her and says, you know, to, to what are you doing? And she tells him, I'm collecting the last pieces, you know, of I'm going to go burn a fire, prepare the bread, and my son and I are going to die. He said, go ahead, do that, but feed me first, right? So, but then she did it, right? She was obedient, and she did. And because of that, her house was blessed, and she never lacked anything because of the obedience to feed the prophet of the Lord. And so then after that, Three years pass by, and the Lord tells Elijah one more time, go. And this time he sends him back to Ahab to speak to the king. And he tells him, go present yourself to Ahab and tell him that I will soon send rain. When Elijah was on his way, he came across Obadiah, right? Obadiah was working for the king, but he feared the Lord. Obadiah even hit a hundred prophets, 50 on one cave and 50 on another. He took them water, he gave them food, and so he feared God. So when Obadiah, uh, when Elijah comes across Obadiah, he tells him, go tell Ahab that I'm here, that I need to talk to him. Obadiah is scared. He tells him, uh, really? Because uh, they're killing all the prophets, and if they know that I serve the Lord, they're going to kill me too. And, you know, what if I go tell him why deliver the message? Uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord takes you, and then we come back, and then you're not here, and then I'm dead. But he said, no, I'm going to stay. You go ahead. So he did. He went, and he told Ahab that Elijah, Elijah was waiting for him. When Ahab saw him, he tells him, is it really you, the troublemaker of Israel, right? 
And Elijah looks at him and says, me, the troublemaker, I'm, I haven't done anything. It's you guys. You guys are the ones that have built altars for Baal and you are worshiping other gods. So he tells them, go get all the prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. So these people ate at Jezebel's table. So Jezebel was very wicked. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood before the people, right? And he told them, come on, people, make up your mind. Are you going to serve the Lord or are you going to serve Baal? If you're going to serve Baal, go ahead, go all in. But if you're going to serve the Lord, serve the Lord. So don't, don't be with one foot in and one foot out. And sometimes, right, we can do that ourselves. Well, I'm not sinning all the way, but I'm not in all the way. But that's a message for another time. We're not going to get into that right now. Uh, so as they're there, um, he said, Elijah told them, go prepare, go get two bowls. We're going to settle this once and for all, pretty much. And he said, you guys go first. So they pick two bulls. They cut them into pieces. They prepare the altar. And he said, we are going to ask. You ask your God. I'll ask the Lord that I serve. And whoever sends fire upon the altar is a true God. Okay, they said, let's do it. So they went and, and, and got the bowl, they cut the pieces, they prepared, they prepared the altar, they did everything they were going to do. And so they, they began, right, to, to start shouting and, and dancing and, and trying to get the attention and bail. And they're, you know, they're, they're trying to get the fire to come. Well, the fire never comes. They shouted all day. They danced all day. They even cut themselves. It was a tradition they had. And nothing ever happened. And I imagine Elijah and Brother Abraham uh, kind of painted a pretty little picture for us in the, on the New Believers. I, I imagine Elijah, I love sweet tea. So I, I imagine Elijah kind of chilling, right? In his little rocking chair, maybe. Call him louder. Maybe he's busy. Wait, maybe he's taking a nap. Wait, maybe he went on a trip. And he, you know, like Kermit the Frog, he's sipping on his little, you know, waiting for Baal to actually send fire. Nothing happened. So then he said, okay, it's my turn, Ryan. So he goes, Elijah. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He put down 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He dug a trench around the altar. He cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he told them to pour water over the offering and the wood. Not once, not twice, three times. That was bravery right there, right? To, to say, I know the God that I serve is going to enter me. Y'all couldn't do it, but I know the Lord that I serve is going to do it for me. So pour a little water. Pour some more. Okay, one more time. Three times. So then Elijah woke up to the altar and prayed. And I love this because I can imagine it. Oh, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. Oh, Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, oh, Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire came down at the altar. 
and it flashed down the heaven and, and it flashed down, I'm sorry, the, the offering and it burned the bull and the wood and the stones and the dust. That's the God we serve, even the dust. The people bowed down and worshiped God and Elijah gave orders not to let all of the ba- uh, Baal's prophets escape and he killed every single one of them. Then he told Ahab, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm giving you guys a little recap because I want you guys to understand where I'm going. I'm going somewhere. Then he told Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming, right? And remember that this has been after three years of drought. And he tells his, um, his servant, um, go see if, if you see that there's, you see a cloud, go, go check if there's a cloud. And this, this is another one that proves the faith that he had. The servant comes back and tells him, you know what, Elijah, I see a cloud the size of a hand. The rain's coming, he said. He got excited. It was the size of a hand, and he knew that the rain was coming. So he's like, come on, Ahab, hurry up. Go, go eat, go drink, go, because the rain is coming. And at that time, the Lord gave Elijah supernatural power that he outran Ahab's chariot all the way. So this is pretty much a summary of what was happening at that time. Now let me fast forward to what we just read. And Elijah now finds himself hiding in a cave. After everything that he had done, after every single thing that he had done, he finds himself hiding in a cave. That takes me to my first point if you're taking notes. Obedience under authority. Up to this point, Elijah had been acting on the word God had given him. He didn't sit on it. He acted on it. He went straight to the top. He went straight to Ahab. And just like Elijah, you and I have a word that God has given us, and we need to share that with the people we encounter every day. Pastor Maritza put the word this morning, and she was saying that, that we need to share Jesus with the people we encounter daily. Did you notice out of all the, um, the breakdown that I was giving you, that God never told Elijah what the second step was until he took the first step. God never told Elijah what the second step would be until he had taken the first step. God told his prophet to go to Ahab. When Elijah got to the palace, God told him what to say. After he said it, God told him, go to the brook. He didn't tell Elijah what was going to happen at the brook. He just said, go to the brook and hide yourself. Elijah didn't know the future, but he did know that he had God's promise. God told him, I'll provide for you there. And God didn't tell him the next step until the brook had dried up. Some of us need to just stand on God's promise, y'all. Because God's direction includes God's provision. When he's directing your steps, he's going to provide for you there. God sometimes will take us to a place of solitude, and we also need to be obedient. He's the God of the valleys, and he's the God of the mountains. And we must be as willing to be set aside, set aside, as we are to be used. We have to. We have to be able to be okay with both. 
you might be asking yourself, okay, but how do we know that God is the one leading and he's the one that's ordaining my steps? See, when you have a close relationship with God, you learn to distinguish his voice. You have to. You recognize the voice of the Lord. The word says, my sheep, what? Know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Elijah, although he was running for his life, he was still able to distinguish the voice of God. So when we read that Elijah didn't move when he heard the wind and the earthquake or the fire, it was not until he heard the gentle whisper that he wrapped his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. Okay, but now we come to the verses that we just read. When Ahab goes and tells Jezebel everything that happened and how Elijah had killed every single prophet of Baal. That takes me to my second point, a place of solitude. So now, the Elijah who was once taking every step under God's direction finds himself scared, wanting to die, and in a cave after Jezebel sent her threats. By tomorrow at this time, I will kill you just lest you killed all of my prophets, she said. That's a little intimidating. And when the Lord asked Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Elijah said, I'm no better than my ancestors. But see, whoever said he had to be? Nobody told him he had to be better than, than his ancestors. He told himself that. We cannot open the door for the lies of the enemy or play the comparison game. We're all different. And we all have a calling. When we open the door to the lies of the enemy, we establish an unrealistic standard And then later we can live up to it. Self-pity finds a way inside our minds and it can become like a beast that will shred us to pieces. It will. So let's allow God, let's allow God to set our standards. He's always loving, he's always affirming, he's always accepting, and he's always faithful to uphold us. God allowed Elijah... A time of rest and refreshment. But he also told Elijah that he still had a job to do. And that there was still a place for him. So although he was tired, he was scared, and he was hiding, he was still the man for the job. Did you hear that? Although he was scared, he was tired, and he wanted to die. God told him, you're still the man for the job. And you are the man for such a time as this. God wants your yes. You may be tired, but can I tell you that you're still the one for the job? Nobody can do what God has called you to do. You're the one for the job. God has not designed us to live like hermits in a cave. (laughs) He has designed us to live in friendship, community, and fellowship with one another. That is why the church, the body of Christ, is so very important. It's fellowship and community that helps us to encourage each other. If you paid attention when I read Elijah made a mistake when he left, he left by himself. He left his servant behind. Had he taken his servant, probably the servant would have encouraged him and told him, come on, Elijah, no. No, you're not, you're not going to sit there and die. You have a job to do. 
That's why it's so important that when you're going through something, you have a community and you have a village, as the girls call each other. They say, I have my village. (laughs) You have to. Because they're the ones that are going to encourage you when you're going through something. Otherwise, you pull back and you begin to focus more on on your problem and your situation than on the God who is for you. Elijah had to get his eyes back on the Lord. That was essential. Up to the point he had been used in a mighty way, but it was the Lord who made him mighty. He stood strong against the enemy, but it was the Lord who had given him that strength. It wasn't on his own. Aren't we like Elijah sometimes? One day we're taking every step under God's direction and we're up under his authority. And then the next we're telling God, I'm done. I've had enough. This is too much. Because of the enemy's attacks that he unleashes over our lives. It's okay to feel like you're done at times. I'm not going to tell you, you got to put a face and have it all together all the time because no, it is okay to be tired. You're human. I get tired. We all get tired. But make sure that the reason why you feel tired, done, or unqualified at times is not because you're trying to be like someone else or be used like someone else is being used. You have to walk in your calling and your assignment, not someone else's. This takes me to my third point. This is my favorite. (laughs) You got some anointing to do. After the second time, the Lord asked Elijah, what are you doing here? I feel that it's more like a rhetorical question, right? Because the Lord knows everything. So I feel that it's almost as if the Lord was telling him, what are you doing here? So that Elijah could kind of like snap out of it and be like, you know what? That's right. What am I doing here? Like, why, why am I hiding on the cave? I literally just killed all these prophets because I was under your authority. But he didn't. So he asked him again, why are you here? And then that's when the Lord gives Elijah instructions. And once again, he tells them, go. So see, when Elijah was moving and it was going and going and going and going, was under God's direction. What are you doing here? Was out of God's plan. That wasn't the plan that God had for him. Go was, go was, go was, Elijah, what are you doing here? That was out of God's plan. That's not what he had for him. So a few years back, I went through a, a, my cave moment, let's call it that. And um, I had moved back from California, and I was with my son, and I literally turned my back on God. I said, I am done. I had my in the cave Elijah moment. I said, I'm done. I've served you. I've, I've, I've done everything you want me to do. All these years I've been serving you for what? I'm done. And I met my husband actually in my I'm done moment, which the Lord later turned it into a blessing. But I had my moment one time. I remember perfectly. I was driving um, home from work. 
And I was listening to worship music. And let me tell you, if you feel that when you are in your car or in your home um, with your friends listening to, to worship music, it doesn't impact someone, it does. It really does. And I'm going to tell you why. My sister and Renee, my brother-in-law, were serving at another church at the time. And sometimes I would go to their house. They would pick me up. They were always playing worship music in, in, in their truck all the time. You know who they always had? Marcela Gandara. For those of you that know who that is, she's awesome. So this was back in, I don't know, like 2007. So she was big on, para esta hora llegado. Right. That was one of my favorite songs. That song will break me, but they didn't know that. I was like, uh, can y'all put something else? Nope. <laughs> nope. That's all they listened to. And they, the music, the Lord ministers to people. That's why I'm telling you, if you think, okay, let me just, because you know they're not Christian, we're hanging out, let me just, let me just put something that they want. Don't do that. Because if the Lord has a plan for them, the Lord will speak to them through you listening to, um, to the music that you listen to. And I'm grateful for that. And I don't think I ever told them that. See, she's shaking her head. No. But they, it, it influenced me. It touched me. It broke my spirit. Because I knew that I was out of God's will. I was out of God's will. And when I got home from work, I was listening going through the radio and I don't know what song came on and I just decided to listen to it and it's a Christian song and I just grabbed the steering wheel and I cried my eyes out I said I can't do this God like stop messing with me like I, I'm done I told you I was done I, I don't want to go back I don't, I don't want conviction none of that and I'm done but the Lord would not leave me alone because I still had an assignment because I still had a calling. And that's when we started going to church, where my dad goes to church. And my husband got saved at an all-Spanish-speaking church. Uh, and that's the way the Lord had to do it because my husband was agnostic. So see, even that, I'm like, there's no way. We're never going back to church if I date this guy. And look at him now. <laughs> Because it's, it's, God will turn it around and, and it doesn't matter. You can run and you can hide. But remember last week messages, if you're out outside of, of God's will, then God can become the crazy ex and he's going to chase you. So it's better for us to be inside of God's will. Had I not come out of my cave had I not stepped out, had I not, my son wouldn't be playing the drums. My husband wouldn't be back there. My son and my daughter wouldn't be here. We wouldn't. Had I not listened to the voice of God. If Elijah would have stayed there to die as he wanted to, he would have never anointed Elisha. Listen. He would have never anointed Elisha. You know who Elisha was? He got a double portion. A double portion. Had he stayed there, there would have been no Elisha. Jezebel sent the threats and was out to kill him. 
But God was sending him to do some anointing. Can I get the praise and worship team up here, please? If you haven't figured it out yet, Jezebel represents the enemy and the attacks he sends our way. But the Lord is telling you today to get up because you got some anointing to do. Don't let the enemy's threats corner you into a cave where you rather died. That's exactly what he wants. He wants you to give up. He wants you to crawl into a cave and he wants you to die. But it is time for you to pay close attention to the voice that matters. And it's the voice of God. And you need to move 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 in obedience. Because you got some anointing to do. Hmm. The Lord is calling you to step out of that cave into your God-given purpose. Just like Elijah, you got some anointing to do. Pastor Marita, you got some anointing to do. Karen, you got some anointing to do. Stephanie, you got some anointing to do. Pastor Melissa, you got some anointing to do. Maybe you don't even know what it's like to operate under his authority and under your God-given purpose. It's okay. He's calling you today to step out of the darkness and follow his voice and his direction. Perhaps you have been walking and operating under his authority. But now the devil has come into your head and he has cornered you into that cave and you feel that you can move. God is calling you out to trust him and trust his voice and his command once again. Whichever the case might be, God is calling you out of that hiding place. You got some anointing to do. You understand that you got some anointing to do. The enemy's coming after your seed, after your children's seed, because he knows what you and your children and your children's children will give birth to. He knows that if he stops you now, there's no Elisha. If he kills you now, there's no Elisha. If he destroys your marriage now, there's no Elisha. If he stops your ministry now, there's no Elisha. If he pushes you so deep into depression or anxiety, there's no Elisha. He knows that if he pushes you just a little bit further into that addiction, there is no Elisha. Elisha got a double portion. Double portion. I know that this is probably going to be a little uncomfortable for you, Josh, but can I get you up here? And can I get Joseph up here? The most outgoing person in the house, that's who I called up here. The social butterfly. Here's Elijah. Had you not decided to step out and serve the Lord, then maybe there wouldn't be Elisha. There's your Elisha. Do you want him to have a double portion? Sure do. And when you have your Elisha, you will want them to have a double portion as well. Aren't you glad you're here, Josh? Aren't you glad you decided to to step out and say, you know what, I'm me and my God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he will get the double portion. 
Thank you. Thank you. If the enemy would have stopped that, there wouldn't be Elisha. Can I ask you to stand? Pastor Gantu, if you would have stayed in Colorado, there wouldn't be Elisha. Pastor Danny's not here, but had he stayed in that cave, there wouldn't be the Spanish pastors right now. Stephanie and Junior, had you not decided to fight for your marriage, you wouldn't be giving life and speaking life into other marriages right now. See, you might not see it right now. You may not see it, but the Lord does. The Lord does. You got some anointing to do, y'all. You got some anointing to do. You got some anointing to do. Step out. Step out. Don't, don't, don't let him keep you in that cave. Don't. He tried to keep Jesus though. <laughs> but he didn't succeed. He didn't. And on the third day, <laughs> hey, he rose. So he would do everything he can. Maria, had you not decided to fight? Maria was giving birth to her daughter that we all love so much. And she was in Wednesday Zoom class. <laughs> Who does that? Had you not, your husband wouldn't be here. See? See how God works. See how God works when you step out. See how God works when you get out of that cave and you say, you're not going to keep me there. You tried though. You tried. But I'm not going to stay there. So can I ask the prayer team to come up? If this is you and you're ready, to step out of that cave would you come would you come and the prayer team is here to pray for you and if you just want to say God I'm tired if you're to that point to where you're just you're, you're tired <laughs> we all do get tired come he is the living water he will refresh your soul. And you step out in faith. And you say, God, I got some anointing to do. Can you say that with me? Lift up your hand and say, God, I got some anointing to do. For those of you who are watching us right now, that you may be so deep into that depression, that anxiety, that addiction. You got some anointing to do. You got to get up. You got some anointing to do. You got to go back home to the Father. You got to go back home to the Father. Because He's waiting for you with open arms. We praise you, my God. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.